0: This is the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland.
1: What's going on, digital wildcatters? Welcome to a very special episode. This is the most people we've ever had on a podcast, so setting fucking world records over here, uh, on willing and gas startups, gonna give an intro, probably the longest intro that we've had. So bear with me. We have Adam from one Map minerals. We have Ricky from Apache. We have the infamous Ashley Gilmore from tracks have Britton from Satia royalties. We have Whitney from flat river minerals and Mac from tracks. Everyone's in town for uh, nape. Whitney's flexing on us because she got the presidential suite at Marriott Marquis. <laughs> and so we're just the peons along for the ride today. <laughs> but uh, really interesting conversation that we're going to have today. Um, talking about the future of land in tech, in oil and gas. So everyone has a background um, in land and minerals. Um, y'all might not know it, but I did a two-week stint as a landman back in uh, 2011. And I hated it and went back to the roughnecking. So <laughs> I don't know how people sit in a courthouse and actually run title, but, um, you know, I want to kick off this, uh, this episode with, let's talk about how things have changed post COVID in 2020, um, either from a mineral buying uh, perspective, what the market looks like, the technology that's being utilized. Um, obviously things shut down in 2020 since then, um, we've really had a demand for oil and gas activity has picked up and would love to hear, um, how things have changed pre 2020 and post 2020. And then we can just dive into things from there. Who wants to take the lead? Whitney. Ashley <laughs> <laughs> pointed um, to you. Things have changed
2: from the, from the mineral buying standpoint, from the technology standpoint.
1: Yeah both yeah above. we can talk we can talk macro how things have changed from like a business model and operating perspective and then we'll dive into the tech side of it too
2: yeah sure we really enjoyed the the COVID period of uh of not living but at mineral buying um you know things kind of slowed down a bit obviously prices were depressed and we were really successful and it also gave us an opportunity to really spend a lot of time um, perfecting what we um, have built via Salesforce. We have kind of an acquisition machine that we've built out in Salesforce um, and have spent quite a lot of time um, building. Uh, actually, the first step of that whole process is actually tracks. And I'm not plugging Ashley just because he's here. Um,
1: That's why I actually put this podcast together. Isn't <laughs> <it>? <laughs> hey,
2: you guys don't
3: have to talk about tracks. Is, is there any other tools that are as useful?
2: Yeah, you know, but we like to think of ourselves as not only a mineral company, but a technology company. We have a pretty complex matrix of different softwares and technologies we use and try to integrate with one another um, to drive synergies and and cut costs and, you know, create, you know, some competitive advantages. Um, So we just continue to try to evolve and stay ahead, you know, of the times and use um, whatever we can to drive those efficiencies.
1: I mean, it wasn't long ago that, like, mineral funds had just boiler rooms of interns or junior land assistants just making calls to mineral owners, mm-hmm. right? And I'd see people, like, using Excel spreadsheets and things like that. I mean, you're just talking about, like, 2018, 2019 timeframe. Have things changed where people are thinking about tech stacks more and how to actually... Because, like, yeah. building out on Salesforce, I mean... Yeah. you know.
2: So we have... We started in, in Rockin' WW in 19, so we kind of started there. And when you look at what we've built the past couple of years in Salesforce, it's pretty incredible. Um, from the acquisition standpoint, like you were saying, you know, we've got all of our leads in there. They're immediately assigned to a buyer. Buyer's calling on them. Uh, we've got dashboards that we look at monthly that track last seven-day activity. So we can get as granular as um, how many seconds were you on the phone with somebody? Uh, How many calls did you get back? How many seconds were those calls? How many voicemails were left versus calls answered? The texts they send, we can actually read them. So we can really track stats and see, you know, what drives success or what is potentially leads to success. How many touches or how many calls does it take to get a deal under contract? Those kind of things. So those stats are incredibly uh, useful that obviously we didn't have access to pre-technology.
4: See, this is great. So, Whitney's giving me all the tips that I need. (laughs) So, no, so actually, it's interesting because to hear Whitney talk, um, CTO is a big company, right? We're, well, we're getting bigger, but we just took over or just did the merger with Brigham, which has been really interesting because Brigham, everybody knows they're very good at their ground game, a lot of what like Whitney does, and a lot of other mineral players out there. And the CTO, you know our approach is much has been a very different approach. We kind of looked at the ground game deal for a little bit, but ultimately uh, we found our strength was in kind of becoming an aggregator and and that was kind of the start so the technology that we've used has been we've been a little slower on it in some ways, but we've been very quick on the data side like as a minerals company we're very data heavy but our focus is different than like what Whitney's describing about the people. our focus is more on the assets that we're looking to acquire and how do we uh utilize that so a lot of it has been excel heavy you know got a really good tech team our our engineer he's former tech guy so he's always looking at cool ideas but we're just recently bringing in like salesforce and thought trace and we've worked with ashley on tracks and so our big thing for me is on like speed of analysis and title acquisition type you know looking through all that stuff so a little bit of a different perspective than than some of the other ground game deals
1: so yeah, it's speed's you know, really the name of the game when it comes to winning in the mineral space, correct? I mean, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's, um, you know, for someone that doesn't come from the mineral space, but understands a little bit of it, you know, to give context to anyone that may not come from uh, that world, you know, you have all of these fractionalized mineral interests across, you know, farmers and just third generation families. And so you're constantly you know, on the phones with these people, you're meeting with a local farmer at a Stripes gas station, you know, grabbing a coffee, trying to get a deal done. And so, you know, especially for like bigger companies, it's like you want to be able to do this at scale and do it fast. That way you can be out your competition to a deal. And so ripe for innovation um, over the last couple of years.
5: Yeah, so we've, we've done a lot of, or pretty much all the same things as, as these guys have, um, the, and, I, and I know these guys are big in GIS as well. But you know, out, you're pushing beyond the CRMs and Excel platforms and tracks for that matter, for me, GIS you know, just kind of wraps it all up in a bow and makes it so that uh, the average guy can access, understand, and execute on the on game plan. Because uh, if you've got you've got all this data you know, in tabular format and you know just all sitting there on a screen to to try to figure out, uh, if you can put it on a map, most people can understand a map a lot better. And so for our buyers, um, whenever we can visualize everything for them and they can in turn visualize that, you know, to the, uh, to the sellers, it helps. Yeah, because they, yeah. they can, the seller can then see what our res- reservations are as to why we may be thinking about it different than the way they're thinking about it, or even education level, just to you know, how does a pooled unit work? What do you mean whenever, you know, I'm in this allocation well, and you've got crossing multiple properties, and you're only giving me a certain percentage of it? Um, the GIS side of it, uh, you know, allows you to, to do that a little, little easier, um, so... You know, next steps in technology for for me, I'd love to see just more integration between the, the platforms and GIS. Yeah. Um, yeah, we we do it internally, but it's uh, it's a huge pain. We have a lot of, you know, you know the APIs, the, the, all the patches, it you know, brings everything together, but it's not, you know, it's not easy and it's not foolproof, it's not sleek. It takes a lot of effort to keep it up and running. Yeah, for sure.
1: And Ricky, you're over at Apache, which I'm really curious to hear like how, A large EMP like Apache thinks about land and I know Apache historically has had large data science teams and pretty forward thinking when it comes to technology. Um, how do y'all think about land and minerals? Like, you know, you have Whitney over here. That's like really, um, you know, boots on the ground, buying royalties and minerals. And I imagine that's a different world than what an EMP like Apache.
0: Does. It is a little bit, little, little bit different as an operator. Um, we did take the opportunity in 2020 when prices crashed um, and rigs stopped and everything kind of came to a standstill. Um, we could really focus on our land data and try to look at um, where do we need to get better in terms of capturing data? How do we organize that data and how do we use it better to make decisions? Um, So we have a team, we we have a a very good IT team that our land group partners with and they help us um, kind of execute on what our vision is um, to just be able to take uh, all the data that uh, we've acquired as an operator over the years when we acquire these assets um, with varying levels of accuracy and level of detail, trying to put it all together, get it cleaned up so we have a consistent data model that we can use for decision making go for um similar like you Mm -hmm. mentioned with gis um you know we try to focus on what's important what do we need to capture and then let's get it on a map and let's make it easily reportable.
1: so i want to understand like the current tech stack that people use so it's great hearing that y'all build out on salesforce i understand that well um either mac or ashley i'm gonna give you like 30 seconds to plug tracks here (laughs) and actually explain what tracks is and how it fits in the workflow of Land in title so that I have like, you know, I've known you guys for years still don't understand exactly how it works. So like explain it to me like, you know, I don't know shit. I'm giving you a, a, a slam dunk here to plug yes. yourself. So don't roll your eyes at me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll
2: follow on to talk about how we go from tracks. I to feel Salesforce
1: like too. I feel like they might be able to do a better
3: job. Yeah, of cool. explaining. cool. Yeah. Sure. So,
1: yeah. Go ahead. So I'll we
2: we've got, you know. Around 10 in house title landmen. The, all they do is run blanket title. We've had a strategy in the powder uh, where we decide where we want to buy based on geology operators, you know, all those filters, uh, drill timing. And we decide, okay, we want to run this title. And so we've actually ran in the Powder River Basin about 650,000 acres of net acres of title. Wow. So we've got one of the biggest, we have the biggest title database without a doubt. But so these guys run a track. Uh, or a section, which is so great about tracks is you actually can run a section at a time versus a parcel or a tract at a time. So they're running an entire section at a time, patent to present, when they finish that, and it's reviewed um, by one of the senior title landmen, then it gets exported via um, what it, the flat report was. Mm. So it gets exported via what tracks calls a flat report, which is basically a deck of all your owners. So that immediately gets uploaded to Salesforce in our system if there's an existing account which there's a lot of common title in the powder so they are you know most of the time when we're uploading something we already have an account that tract gets added to that account if it's a brand new account that Salesforce doesn't recognize it automatically creates a new account and flags it as this account doesn't have you know an assigned buyer and we immediately assign that out to a buyer
1: Got you How you all see
2: tracks fitting in, and, and so I'll take. Work for us. Um,
5: we're we're more reactive than proactive compared to Whitney. Uh, we only bring we bring tracks into the mix whenever we're ready to buy something. We we focus on the Permian Basin. We have tax rolls to work from, and uh, we don't have to go out and find the owners ahead of time. You know, there's there's lists of them, um, and it also helps. We've just been buying there for so long that our name is is well recognized. So we get a lot of phone calls in, just natural inbounds. We send out a lot of letters. We get people calling in. We have buyers that are actively pursuing leads. But once a deal actually comes to a point of you know, a PSA signature, that's when we bring in tracks. That's whenever we leverage the software to allow our title team to work faster and be more accurate and deliver a product that we can then interpret. Uh, we do have a we have a way that we export the same reports she's talking about, flat ownership report, and I've got a way that I can copy whatever lines I want, and then go into my system and do a shortcut, and it pastes everything in and populates my system. So it's then there for me to continue down my acquisition path, you know, in our own homegrown system. Um, so yeah, we're we're reactive to it, but still get the the benefits of, of you know the, the time savings and the the accuracy aspect that you just don't get out of um, the average land man running title on one of your yellow legal pads. And then, you know, taking that over and putting into Excel or a word document or whatever other s- sort of, um, you reporting you're, you're acquiring.
1: Yeah. Um, so enough plugging tracks. Thank you. Uh, Good.
3: Thanks. Thank you. I, I really no, want to, I time. really want to hear about oh, it. Go. I, I got to tease Ashley. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Cause like, so
4: Ashley's been pursuing me with tracks for like, I don't know how long now. Since uh, before
3: your company started. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So was like two years, three yeah. days. He's got 30, to say yeah. of
4: Well, the poor two guy. Minutes. So the poor guy, we finally do a deal. With, we finally w- use it. I really liked it. And then like the next couple of transactions have been relative valuation. So, you know, Brigham doing a merger, it's a relative valuation deal. So you're not running titles. So I'm like, sorry, you know, we are buying an 83,000 NRA deal. And, uh, I can't. I'm not running title. Yeah. So. Just wait
3: till one of these guys busts it. But, actually, yeah. Actually, yeah. Yeah. Tracks. but I will say
4: I like it. I think I think Ashley's on to something as far as technology relative to doing a better job in building the database for title and building. You know, I've been saying it internally with my company. The reason I want to use Tracks more is that oftentimes as land guys, what we do is we go out there, we get title done, we get these abstracts or these MORS, and they become stagnant. They go into a digital file. And we don't go then pull those files and then bring them forward, but tracks kind of co- solves for that. Like you go back and you're not constantly rerunning title. Yeah. That's probably the biggest area of inefficiency I think within probably the industry. It may be a big, big, big statement, but yeah, you know, the industry has been so good in advancing in, in other technologies relative to ge- geology engineering. Yeah, but in the title side, we kind of just do the same thing that we've all been doing. Yeah, and, as uh, an
0: operator, we have that same issue. We have a lot of title data, a lot of um, uh, things that we've paid for in the past, and it's just difficult for us to consume it when we need it. Yeah. Um, so be having a yeah. place to house all that information, house all that data. So you know, if we need additional title work done, let's just take it point forward, let's not recreate the wheel and do stuff that we've already done. So um, definitely being able to have that easily accessible and consumable. Big for us. Yeah. It's it's hard to
5: convince a landman though that the one that ran it before him did it right. Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> they, they all tell you they would that's trust the it but, but they, we laugh. Yeah, but that's the the it's, it's awful, absolutely right? is yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ashley and I have talked about you know, it, the grading of documents. You know, if if there is a way to say that you know fifteen, fifteen hundred, whatever, however many blockchain. land guys have already looked at this document and said, This is the answer. There's no need for you to look at it again. Stop looking at it. And have that pre-interpreted, you know, deal to feed in, and and it's over with. And you know, you you'd be down to you know a handful of documents in each county that actually need interpretation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think actually one of my first
1: interactions with Ashley was back in two thousand seventeen or eighteen on LinkedIn. I was talking about what blockchain could do for land and title. You know, it only made so much sense to me that hey, you have these, you know, you have a database of the entire uh, powder, uh, and you look at the process and it's like you run title over and over and over again. And, you know, my opinion, outside looking in, the only people that win in that are attorneys and brokers mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. those types. Right. And, uh, um, I remember, I, I remember put, putting that out there and then Ashley was like, it'll never, um, you had, um, you know, some objection to it. And I think it was like going back retroactively and correcting things. And so let's talk about this. There's a few things that I want to talk about, like the future of tech and land, but let's start with blockchain applications and, you know, A, will it ever happen where we can actually have title on blockchain? Um, How do you solve this problem, this massive inefficiency in the industry where we keep doing the same things over and over again? I love how you talked about, like, we think about this when it comes to like seismic reservoir engineering, things like that, but um, land and title just like... There hasn't been a ton of innovation outside yeah. of you know some few companies like Tracks building some SaaS platforms, you know, building out custom software on Salesforce. So let's start with blockchain, and then I I want to get into AI after that.
2: Uh, I think for you know blockchain uh, to work in title, everybody is going to have to be okay with sharing what they've done. So when we talk about all the title that everyone has ran and. I guarantee you, like most of the tier one acreage in the whole country has been ran right mm-hmm. by somebody, um, and yet we continue to redo it because we're not willing to share what we've done with other people, and that's something that we would need to overcome. Yeah. To there's a bit of really a competitive advantage
5: to yeah. having to rerun it every time. Yeah, you know, if you're fast and good at it, or if you already have it, you, know, you have an advantage. You don't want to give that away.
3: It's interesting that you talk about blockchain because I do remember our conversations in the past, and um, technology has improved, obviously. Um, so I'll admit that I was I was probably wrong. I do think that there is going Got to be that on the be, record on the podcast. <laughs> I'm there. Wrong. there, there is going <laughs> to be turn the volume whenever that piece <laughs> comes up. That two second piece is my yeah. my clip that I'm posting out. <laughs> Colin was right. No, no there um, definitely will be at some point some kind of move to a technology like blockchain um for um, this problem I don't necessarily I do think a consent consensus will be needed but not like how we envision it today um, we're working with a, a a blockchain project right now kind of um, helping them and they're trying to help us um, kind of solve the same problem um, it does matter you know you need people to agree on what a document says right but if you can get enough people to agree on it and then count on it, the network itself could self-insure the result. Yeah. And so in, um, and just to be clear, uh, in real estate, the big four for title insurance, they already have a private blockchain. They share ownership data. So if you need a title, a title opinion on your house, right? If you need title insurance, they, the policies of 99.9% of all policies have been underwritten before. And any one of the big four title companies can just access the network and then it costs them $10 to clear title on average. Yeah,
1: that leads me to an interesting question because, you know, to Whitney's point, you have to have consensus. Everyone has to be comfortable with sharing their data. Uh, You know, Adam, you said that um, there is a little bit of a competitive advantage of Mm -hmm. having that title already ran or if you're fast at it. The question is, is that Is there a value proposition that says, hey, all the mineral funds and operators, it's actually going to save you costs in the long run if we all share the information and have this database or this blockchain where we can all interact with it and share that it actually justifies giving up that small competitive advantage to have that gain in efficiency?
3: It's interesting. Sorry, I'll let somebody else talk, but that's an interesting problem that I've been like working with recently. Um, Essentially, let's say that you can no longer use that knowledge as power, like as far as what am I selling? Like right now, if a mineral, you know, a mineral owner goes to sell an asset to any one of these buyers, whether it's uh, Witt, Adam or Britain, um, the part of their. valuation is understanding what is it that we're actually buying. But if you can remove that, then they have to be competitive on something else. Like they have to either know it's gonna be drilled
2: yeah. or
3: they have to- Well, they, that,
2: that's the problem is that I don't think that, that Mineral Bot will never get to that point because leads are everything. And if we all have the same leads, then it just turns into a price competition, mm-hmm. right? And it's already enough of a price competition Um, You know, it's really about getting to that person first, you know, or on the right day. So I I don't really see. But volume plays
5: a piece in that, too. So, you know, thinking about Permian Mm -hmm. Basin, we all have the tax rolls, but there's so many owners out there. And so there's still I mean, we're we're all out there using the same tax rolls. We're all contacting the same people. But yet I'm still able to close lots of deals every month. I think but it, there's a volume piece. of Powder River, maybe not no, so much no, because they have a it's lot absolutely less.
2: Absolutely a volume piece. You know what? What I've always said is, you know, that mineral buying isn't really rocket science. You know, it's you could break it down to statistics, just mm-hmm. like you're saying. And it, the statistics are different for every basin. How many leads you need to generate to do a deal, but you could break it down statistics by basin like adam said 100 how many volume do you need
4: i could almost speak i mean again slightly different perspective than than you know adam whitney and how they approach it given our our approach on acquiring we typically are buying more from the mineral buyers on the ground game set yeah but so two sides one i see about a 10 percent success rate is kind of what i've typically seen i got to talk to 100 i got to look at 100 deals to get you know 10 done yeah but Coming back around a little bit kind of to the point of um, the the value of going like a blockchain and what what do we gain out of it as landman or as an industry to go into something that's more like automated title or more like the title insurance companies relative to real estate. For me, for my company, what the cost? I'm doing the same title over and over. So that's a redundant cost the accuracy of title and knowing that we all agree on it. Cause you know, I might get, it may not be popular to say this, but one of the biggest things I've seen title loss in over the last couple of years has been around like this MPRI stuff fixed versus floating. Well, that's because one day somebody woke up and decided, well, I'm going to change the way yeah. we interpret this. And can so, you actually
1: open up on that a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> that's a money. whole other podcast. And I do.
3: You can explain the difference, but yeah, that's like the biggest bust area, period.
4: Well, oh man, to go down and, down that road, it, it is a big road. Just give me the
1: layman's terms of what's happening here. <laughs> right. Trying to think how to say this. This is,
2: is how I learned there's, shit about the industry. There's two industries. kinds of MPRIs. There's three. Okay, there's three. I'm going to make this Technically, yes. There's one that runs with the land which means it doesn't live and die, or sorry, it's not based upon a lease rate, right? You have a 2% non-participating royalty interest. Non-participating royalty interest means that you don't participate in the lease bonuses or lease negotiations. Um, But it's very similar to how an override works, except for it's on the minerals. So a a fixed MPRI is 2% of the minerals no matter whatever the lease is at. So if you lease at three sixteenths, that person gets 2% and the mineral owner gets, you know, 16.75%. A floating is when it's actually tied to a percent of the lease rate. Herodic so it can back. change as that lease rate changes. If so it expires and you renegotiate it. Okay. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. So that's exactly, so the one is a variable versus a fixed. So one moves with the, re, the lease rate and one will, is just like, this is your total percentage. And so that depending on how it was interpreted, like most often in the 1960 or 1970 when these were in vogue is it's changed. And so you lose the title. Now, again, that wasn't the point I was trying to make as much as like going back to like more of, a you know, the bigger title basis, like the title insurance companies in real estate is just getting more consistency in that. For me, the advantage of being able to run title and get ahead of the next guy is I don't get me wrong. I've used that but it's not the same as like for Whitney and Adam. So for me, as I look at it, my big driver has been consistency and accuracy in that title. And so again, track I go back to tracks a little bit because that's one of the solutions that, you know, Ashley's solving for is that input and that interpretation by the landman that screw things up and misread things or just get lazy or whatever. I mean, we all make mistakes, right? And so yeah. Ashley's program kind of
1: helps some of that. So Yeah, Whitney, you said that, you never, you think that we'll never get to that point, you know, of having general consensus to have title on blockchain, you know, that was kind of back in 2018, I came to that conclusion. I'm like, Hey, perfect fit for the technology, but there's too many misaligned incentives between different parties to actually make a product, um, or a solution there. You know, is that
3: now I disagree with that. You
1: disagree. Okay. so I, we've actually we've actually I'll let, swapped. I'll, I'll let you go. <laughs> you <laughs> let, no,
3: no, 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 We're, we're I now I now believe that a okay. blockchain, so uh, a known ownership world is possible, um, such that um, even if it was wrong, it wouldn't matter. Um, and so, before I go into that, I want to know what you were going you guys were gonna say.
0: I, I was just gonna say um, the technology for blockchain and an immutable ledger. I think it lends itself perfectly to title ownership. It makes a ton of sense. There's a ton of overlap there. I, I would separate kind of into two different buckets. One, I don't know if we'll ever get to the point where um, true record title legal ownership is tracked on a blockchain, but that's a separate discussion. I think, I really think there's value to being able to have a blockchain that tracks it, really, even if you just call it for informational purposes. There's so many. Um, operators, mineral buyers that were all spending the same money for the same title in the same basins. I think there's a lot of money to be saved if you just have a common title set that people are sharing data with. So it yeah. seems like
1: there's just so much waste. There's yeah. so, so much waste. redundancy, there's money, uh, money spent. Yeah. I'll give you
3: an idea of the waste. Like if a company if tracks were to decide to run all of the title in um, like a county like Martin County. That project would cost us maybe two, $3 million. But if you go to a company like, I mean, I don't want to say names, but like, you know, a major operator that operates in that area, they might spend that every year running title. Yeah, And the reason is because they, they're, they're punching holes. They, they have to exclude data. But when you decide to take on the whole county, every piece of data you analyze is, you know, meaningful and it adds value. And so you can do it for a fraction of the cost of excluding the data. It's a pretty interesting thing, but that doesn't um, go to the blockchain problem. You were going to, you were about to say no, something.
4: No, I was just smiling because it made, took me back like early in my career. I was working as a landman for Whiting Oil and Gas up in the Bakken and we, uh, we were in Mount County and just trying to get title and we couldn't. And, you know, old school system, everything was paper. And so we had this broker that we paid and they went in, I mean really early, right. They went in and scanned the entire courthouse. So like we paid the courthouse, we shut it down for A couple of weeks and we were the only ones in there. Scanned everything, got it on CDs. I remember getting the CDs and having kind of put in my computer and go through the files, but it yeah. kind of just made me think how to say you're the over 40 without saying, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm old school. Yeah, unfortunately, no, it, it still, still
0: happens the CDs thing. I know, it's a problem. How to say, it, it, yes,
4: say it still you're over 40, 40 but under 50? I'm 40, I'm not, problem. yeah. I don't know. So, it, it, yeah.
2: I don't know how or what it looks like yet, but our plan has always been to actually do this and monetize our title when we're when we feel like we've gone through the basin. Yeah. And that's not to say there's not opportunity left in the basin, but it's to say, you know, we've fully deployed our capital. We're happy with our position. We're ready to move on from the powder. You know, we will monetize that title you
1: know,
0: we'll
2: yeah, work you have a with, data set. Yeah, we're either, right. Yeah. We've Are had you had guys selling talk, that data? <laughs> we will. We've talked
0: to Ashley. Do you, you know, want the powder? Oh, no, or, I, I just was curious. I long, no, that. long, long term, that's
2: the strategy. I mean, when we say, okay, Lots we're done. Of people we're we good.
0: But of right do we right do we're Are good previous previous <laughs> transactions yeah. where that occurred?
2: We'll sell the section. We'll sell title probably section by section. I don't know. Ashley's going to help. there between
1: Apache and
2: you right All of
1: a
3: sudden,
0: Apache starting going Bring the Oh, we about to make this happen. If you had a data dataset, so, I know sell I, I Yeah, I mean,
2: I, I'm, I'm, you know, we, you know, it's funny because I feel like we've got better title than a lot of these operators. You know, EOG will, you know, file some pooling order that's wildly off, and we're like, do you want us to send you the title for this section? Because I don't know who ran this, but. It's,
3: Thanks for It's like about EOG four years <laughs> old. <For sure. laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's over not, here not sweating. A EOG, not a customer. So, crew. you know, common
2: <laughs> the
1: common theme uh, that I've heard from all of you is removing friction from the process, increasing efficiency. Uh, you brought up um Britton, you brought up uh Thought Trace, which I thought was interesting before we started recording when you brought up ChatGPT and what OpenAI is doing. Um, You know, it's interesting. Actually, a few weeks back, one of my friends that uh, runs a large commercial real estate uh, fund out in California sent out a tweet. He's like, hey, can't you use OpenAI or ChatGPT to pull information out of leases? And my response was, yeah, there was a company, ThoughtTrace, that did the same exact thing for oil and gas leases. And so... Um, I spend a lot of my time uh, around machine learning models and AI and what it can do. And I think that there's a huge use case here. Um, not only, you know, pulling information out of the leases to make that process of, you know, running the title faster, but um, it can be used across the whole value chain. Let's start off with you, Britton, how you guys use ThoughtTrace and what it does. And then let's just all dive in on yeah. that topic.
4: You know, it's actually interesting. It's more than just thought trace. Like our whole company, we we came to this conclusion a couple of years ago. And Jarrett Marku, who's our EVP of engineering, um, he came from the tech industry, super smart guy. Like, yes, I'll pop for him here. So hopefully he'll (laughs) buy me a beer later. Um, No, he he had this idea. We kind of realized that amongst land, finance, land accounting and engineering, we were constantly working on different well lists. And at the end of the day, it became a point of miscommunication within the company. And so we brought in a third party and we did what we call our master data management program. we had this third party just like start pulling data from all these different data sets that we use Bolo, you know, Combo Curve, IHS, I forget, uh, RGIS. I'm probably misnaming some of those, but. I don't think we use combo curve in that, but anyways, um, we were pulling all that together and we were using it to check APIs against NRIs and make sure, you know, everybody's using the same well list throughout the organization. That was a huge step in the right direction for us in efficiencies. So then the next step was how do we start tying wells to our, the minerals and leases and get all that data to where it's not just compartmentalized, but actually communicating throughout the whole organization. So... We just did the thought trace contrast contract, so I'm still figuring it out right now. I, I can't tell you that it's working really well yet, but in theory, I, I like the concept. And ultimately, it's going in and helping pull key information from leases. You know, we can go in. We manage over 5,000 leases on our assets, so to be able to go and look look at something like uh, cost free royalties or dang and producing quantities, and then compare that against the wells and the operators, and then go out and talk to these operators and say, hey you know, your, your wells aren't performing. We need to talk about this lease, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and I've been doing that, and it's been successful. That's very So, cool. yeah. That's know, I remember, uh,
1: what was Thought Chase's name when they first came out? Agile. Agile. Uh, yeah, Designs. that's right. Yeah, and I remember like one of But the did days, you know
3: that they were a 20-year-old company? No, they are yeah. Yeah, they've yeah. been around for a long yeah. time.
1: But I remember when I first met them, I don't know, 2018 probably, um, their biggest problem in oil and gas was that they'd go to deploy their technology and a lot of leases are still, you know, on paper and yeah. filing cabinets and they're like well we can't deploy any ai <laughs> on analog yeah. uh, filing cabinets and so you know that was always a problem for them in the early stages since or back then and so it's pretty cool hearing you know, actual
0: mineral funds and operators starting to be able to use it and deploy it we've, we've worked with them at apache for a number of years now and that was a big first step just get every lease digitized get it in thought get it through the ocr get it available to start um, pulling data out of it um, the I think with the land data, the big thing is it 's unstructured data it 's not neat numerical decimal right. it's um, mm-hmm. you know it 's um, you can say the same thing a hundred different ways it 's not clean buckets so it allows us for a number of key provisions and leases patch we have you know almost thirty thousand active leases um, let 's get 85% accuracy on a
4: question. You just one-upped me on the lease count. I'm <laughs> <it>. <laughs> yeah. one You're yeah. yeah. like <laughs> six. 6, <laughs> six stuff, if, I,
0: if I could snap my fingers yeah. and get 85% accuracy overnight, that's a huge value to me. Now, there are current certain lease provisions. I need 100% accuracy. I can't rely yeah. on just the data extract. But it's a it's a huge step in the right direction, and we are working with them to try to build direct integration into our land system to say, a hey, half of our key lease provisions we can source directly from thought trace nobody has to look at it the other half we can use that to get you know from you know a to p and then it's got to go to z from there the I mean, human can pick it up here and just take it to the, the final destination but um, I, I think it's a huge step in the right direction being able to not fully automate but be, being able to um really cut down the cycle time on lease interpretation
1: this yes, kind of sounds like 80 20 principle for you right like yeah. if you can get 80 percent accuracy with little effort, then it's probably worth it for you. Except and there's, for those. there's
0: a lot of questions where 85% accuracy, like that, perfectly acceptable. Yeah. There are some where it's not. And yeah. it's uh, the land, at least the, the land folks that I work with, uh, sometimes it's like, it's, it's a you know, twist in the arm a little bit. Hey, we don't have to have 100% accuracy. We're just trying to get, you know, the idea of yeah. you know, question X, whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, but it's a huge step in the right direction. The further we can go there, the more automation we can build out, the better, everyone, better off everyone else is going to be.
1: Yeah. Whitney, you brought up uh, ChatGPT earlier, so I know you're at least thinking about how machine learning plays a part in y'all's process. Um, you want to elaborate on that a little bit?
2: Yeah, we've always been excited about the prospect of AI for running Title. Ashley and I have been talking about this for years, and you know when I brought it up to him, he was already. Of course, working on it and thinking about it. When uh, this was, I mean, like it's kind in, of his job, it, right? Yeah, He's this made was tech like in 2018. So. Though it's like I have this great idea, <laughs> and he was like, "I'm working on it."
3: I was like, oh. <laughs> we're we're um, one month from release. You know, but yeah. running, yeah. running
2: right? title. You know, it's just whether you know in the Rockies or Texas. You know, you're chaining title from patent all the way forward to present, and it's you. You know, it's a robot. Your AI could do that. You're looking for, you know, the grantor of one deed all of a sudden, or the grantee of one deed all of a sudden appears, you know, as a grantor of another deed and you change so on and so on and so forth. In places like Appalachia, where they actually refer to the last, like the previous deed book page, you actually can run, you know, the most present deed backwards. But you could do the same thing and chain that backwards through a bot looking for that reference of that previous book page. And so we've always been really excited about that prospect, you know, when the time comes where you can really run a section of title or a parcel via, you know, some sort of AI. And I know Ashley's been making huge strides and trying to figure out how to do that. Um, But, you know, that's that's kind of, I think, the next step. Beyond tracks. You know, tracks was a huge step forward in the evolution of running title. And I think the next step forward is incorporating AI in some sort of fashion. And so those companies that aren't even on tracks yet. You know, are just gonna be totally left behind once the industry continues to evolve.
1: Thank you. I just got an idea about how <laughs> I'm gonna beat all y'all in the mineral game. I'm gonna go set up two thousand AI boss, just call <laughs> mineral owners, just go down the tax rolls. That's <laughs> being done. I'll we'll make like That was three months ago. <laughs> oh, that was three months ago. That was on the roadmap. You can probably already. tell by
2: the tone, you know, whether or not <laughs> you should just hang up. Yeah.
3: It's like yeah. the pause.
2: <laughs> Hello. Yeah.
4: Uh, I would think it's those calls I get from insurance like your car
3: insurance nope it's a mineral salesman
4: it's like yeah. it's like all the mail outs like even as a minerals company I get a ton of mail outs and you're like really mm-hmm. like- yes yeah. so <laughs> yeah. someone yeah. on twitter <laughs> had built a yeah.
1: bot um and it utilized the last model is gpt2 and me and like nine other people were the inputs or, or uh, tweets were the inputs this fucking bot was scary how much nuance it had about energy policy and the energy industry and its tweets. And that was like my first experience with GPT a couple of years ago. And I was like, there's no way this isn't just some person behind an account making them. And so I think it's actually, Really, like scary when you think about that. Have you all seen the movie Megan that just came out? Oh no! no, no. no. I saw uh, no.
3: the the cover of it looks scary enough that I'm just avoiding the movie. So like, it tries to be
1: a horror movie, but it's it's all about AI. And the scary thing about it is AI is already at that point. So highly recommend checking it out. We're gonna have a bunch of like AI Landman bots
5: running around. You're gonna go to your yeah. courthouse. There's gonna be a four foot <laughs> Landman doll
1: there running title. So Shucky actually, I played with. Yeah.
2: Uh, Chat GPT, three point five, which is going to be so hard for the industry to adapt to because you have you know GPT or GTP gathering transportation Uh processes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I (laughs) actually (laughs) I actually love that because I hate acronyms (laughs) with a passion, and the energy industry is the worst when it comes to acronyms. So. so
3: why are, Why is this important?
1: And I'm yeah, like,
2: he's like, what? Well, remember it, back in the day, like
1: making it, tech, you talk about APIs and
2: yeah. there's yeah. a big complation
0: <laughs> between well numbers oh, and... The amount of times I've had yeah. to explain the difference. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a
2: little embarrassing. It had just really made headlines when he, we were talking about it and he was like, yeah, I mean, you talk, you know, read about the chat GPT and I was like, why are, you, why are you talking about deducts right now? <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? Because um, I was asking him, you know, if he had any ideas how to do something. And it was the same thing of looking for cost-free, you know, language. And, um, and, you know, both our leases and the source overrides. And, you know, Ash was like, give me 10 minutes. And one of his developers online, we did a Zoom, and they ran through a lease that I knew had, um, you know, cost-free language in it. And we just asked, does this lease, is this lease exempt from costs? And it goes, basically, yeah. yes, and spits out, like word for word, the deducts of this thing. Is wow. it, you know, and the cost that it it's exempt from, it's like, where it's A, located, section I, was one, one, section I was like, oh my God. God. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
3: No fine tuning.
2: Right? Yeah.
1: Oh, actually, I actually saw an interesting stat uh, just a few hours ago that Stack Overflow, which if you're on Stack mm-hmm. Overflow, a community platform for software developers, their traffic is down 12 percent since ChatGPT oh. got released because developers
5: <laughs> are going to ChatGPT Ask. for their mm-hmm. answers. So mm-hmm. um, I read something similar. So I just tried it. You know, Excel formula. So you know, give me an Excel formula that does this. And it was
1: yeah. wow,
5: that that'll do it.
1: Exactly. My it. actually favorite use case of using chat GPT was Julie in the office had it write a story uh, with the Friends mm-hmm. cast about working on a drilling rig. <laughs> and it was so damn good. Like I'm sitting there reading the transcript laughing. I'm like, Word how does put. it yeah. yeah? So if y'all are actually using it for like, you know, things with purpose, we're using it for shit posts and things like we, that. We so. played around with it at the
0: office for the first time, and the first question we asked was explain a pew clause to me in layman's terms, and it was Surprisingly good. I was really shocked. Was it? I was like, well, yeah, we to, to explain Was that, that right.
3: before or after? This
0: is yeah. after. Yeah. Well, I was actually. Yeah. I was, yeah. gonna,
3: I said I was, it was everybody at work. Up, and I was like, like this. People are scared about
5: it. They might be able to explain things. But how like, do you, so, how do you envision, envision implementing it? Do you envision, hey, you know, Landman saying, hey, process this for me? Or do you envision it all just like back end? What's, what's the front end look like? As I say, there's a short term and long term. I would
0: love to be able to focus it and have confidentiality around it that only, you know, my company can use it. But I want to focus on our internal data sets and ask it specific questions yeah. and train it on company specific
2: things. Okay. The big think issue long- that would be huge. Oh, long term it it I don't say ideally, but long term it takes out I think the title Amen. mm mm-hmm. Right? And can chain it itself. Yeah. So you have a it. database
5: of, of all the documents in a county and then you ask it who owns the northeast quarter of section seventy five.
4: it's well, that's the question though, is can it chain it or is it just interpreting the document? It can't chain it. Well, I, think, yeah, well, yeah,
1: I well, think you have a short term and Because where long Ashley's term.
2: going is that he's building this functionality yeah. out right now and they're gonna chain <laughs> it. <laughs> no, it's,
1: different. it's you different. know, to Ricky's Ricky's point, you know, there's some, um, you know, like uh, Sid over at Nesh has been working on ML models within EMPs to focus on internal data sets and be able to ask a question and find that information um and i think the question that we're asking here is kind of short term and long term like short term yeah you can pull information from leases but long term i think that there's a very short path to getting to a point where a bot can chain title yeah. and put yeah. it together it's it's
3: it's it's a bit more complicated than that and the reason and it is possible it's a bot but a bot will have to be running different programs so like chat the the chat gpt or gpt can interpret a document right yeah and it, it does an incredible job with no training. To what you were speaking to, GPT itself, because we've been playing with it for quite a while now. Um,
5: and what is GPT? So it's the.
3: Generative pre trained is what it stands for. Yeah. Right. It's a language so, model that's.
5: Yeah. yeah I just, what's the acronym? The, is yeah. what I asked.
3: Generative yeah. pre trained natural. It's a natural language processing engineer. And I hope we don't get quoted on this because somebody that knows what they're talking about is going to (laughs) know. These dumbasses. The fool fool you know, that's not my job. My job is to just envision the future and understand the limitation. But um, GPT can, it's a natural language engine. So it can read and interpret and understand what a document says. In our experiments, um, and we have fully implemented 2.0 and 3.0 on the back end of tracks, we run all kinds of experiments. It gets really rigid very, very fast, which means. The outcome is not reliable the more you kind of train it, yeah, so we're yeah. really trying to flex with that, but um, let's say you could interpret all the documents it's not that bot that's going to be able to chain title you need you then need to have some kind of algorithm to do the math, and you need to the bot needs to have access to that and so. That's
5: what we're doing. You know anybody that has that algorithm? <laughs> There's a, company.
3: <laughs> There's a <laughs> company working on it. <laughs> yeah. It's called Tracks, and we do it right now for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. But like, of you already years see there. that
1: like stacking different. So this is going to be a very rudimentary example, but I had ChatGPT. I said, hey, create me a song about fracking with Drake's lyrics. And it did that. And then I took it over to another uh, AI program and I had Drake's voice rap those lyrics. So I made an entire, um... uh, Drake. yeah, I overlaid a beat on it and I made a Drake song about rapping. And so I think that you'll start seeing that where, you know, I had to do that on a manual basis, but there's no reason that AI can't put mm-hmm. all of those things together Yeah, but the by w- algorithms.
3: The but way like, it's built maybe right now is the thing, it's just like the problem you guys have today in your business, you have all these cool tools and none of them talk to each other. Yeah. You're, it's yeah. when you're able to combine the AIs and the scripts and the robots that we'll start to see some stuff. So how are we using GPT on tra- at Trax? We have this new hot tub icon that's coming out soon. So when you when you drop and the reason we chose a hot tub is because it's like you can just chill in a hot tub and it's going to interpret the documents for you. Right? So, <laughs> so you, you drop the documents in, you hit the hot tub, and it will interpret the document for you in seconds. Is and there it's, is a hot tub
4: come with that contract? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, for you, yes. Yeah. The it depends. It depends. That's exactly the what side. I was about to say. What? It has nothing
1: to do with it. Nothing to do with it. Yeah. It
3: should, though. That's true. Ashley's
1: just daydreaming about being in the hot tub <laughs> yeah. and bam, He's like, you yeah. know what? Hot tub icon. Like. Uh,
3: yeah. <laughs> so that's Actually, uh, our developer, Adam, came up with the hot tub idea. So. so um, what are we using GBT for? We're cu- currently using it to uh, interpret documents for our title notes product. And then we have landman re- you know, go over the interpretation. Um, the first iteration that customers like you guys will experience, uh, essentially, uh, we can interpret the documents as you upload them. Um, we already OCR everything. And then you can hit the hot tub and it'll interpret a document. Or if you prepaid for it, you can. It's not cheap, right? So you're going to have to agree to pay. Uh, even, you know, before our costs, it's not cheap to use the uh, chat GPT. But another cool thing we're doing, because you were talking about mapping, is it's exceptionally good at taking out legal descriptions and parsing those into plots. So we're going to auto deed plot. Or what kind of
4: legal description? Like meets and bounds? Meets
3: and bounds. Huh. It can ta- Now, it is not going to draw a polygon because it, it, it knows... It can figure out what the calls are pretty accurately with very little fine tuning, and the fine tuning is important. But so now you just load up a bunch of documents into tracks, or you all like RWW, like we could map all of your files automatically with a click of, as soon as we release. Yeah, same with one. So, you,
2: can I talk about what you and I talked about the other yeah. night? The use yeah. case, you know, so when. In minerals, you know, there's two main sides of it. One is defending value and the other is creating value. Because after you've acquired something, your job is never done because you've got to make sure the operator's paying you correctly, you know, you're negotiating leases, so on and so forth, making sure, you know, um, you know, your decimal lines up with what the operator is. But you know, what we've been looking at is okay, we have at this point have so many assets that probably are cost free. And how do we go back, especially, you know, we just took over management um, for our private equity sponsor of two companies that were, you know, formed and fully deployed in 2015. So we have this, all this data that we're not familiar with, um, along with Rock and WW. now we're trying to figure out and make sure, you know, we've set up Salesforce to the point that now Salesforce can flag, it calculates what we should be getting paid based on our tracks in a given section. So it automatically calculates what our interest should be in a well and compares that to what we're actually getting paid. So all our accounting's done in there, all our title's in there, and then it flags it. You're not getting paid what you should be getting paid based on, you know, on a decimal basis, right? So now the next step is, okay, where are we getting hit with deducts where we shouldn't be getting hit with deducts? And so that's what I was talking to Ashley about, you know, a couple of weeks ago was Trax has already OCR'd all of our, you know, information in or all of our documents and tracks. And so basically, you know, we can, I can give him a list of book pages of documents in there and he can pull those and run that, the chat GPT looking for cost exemptions Mm. and say, okay, here's these leases that we found with cost exemptions. And then we can obviously look at the well bores and look at the actual pay subs and see, if we're actually, you know, being exempt from those, and there's so much money to be clawed back, you know, in mineral companies with deducts, operators rarely set up. Sorry, Apache. I felt like I was, <laughs> I'm <just sorry>. maybe <laughs> He's like, I probably was, looks at Ricky. You know, I, I've worked on, you know, I was on the operated side before minerals, and it. it is very tough and very cumbersome.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. To
2: track deducts, you know, I'm not hating on the operators. It's so cumbersome and yeah. it's complicated cuz somebody's got to pay those, right? And yeah. so then you've got to make sure that specific working interest owner is overly burdened with those deducts to offset, you know, the cost. It's just complicated. So if you're a mineral company, I mean the chances that you're actually getting paid correctly on those is probably pretty small. Yeah. And it's really the you know, the mineral company's job to be auditing those yeah and find where they're not getting paid correctly so, so that's kind really of really going to
1: help you bring transparency into the account exactly and so that's sure kind of what we're screwed. focused
2: on right now
4: so we we do we're, we're very robust in that because mm-hmm. we find so much money uh for the same reason and again it's not operators it's just like think about all these acquisitions these operators have to follow we've seen a lot a lot of consolidation over the last couple of years by operators so they're all like trying to get their business in order while we're consolidating on minerals and so it's just like all this consolidation is just hard to keep up with but We've started using like Power BI. It's a cool tool that, you know, that just ties in with everything. It's just, it's been a really neat thing. But I've been working with one of our internal guys that he kind of heads up the Power BI stuff for our company. And him and I have been talking a lot about the fact that the real solution that I kind of keep, feel like I keep hitting a roadblock with is that there's nobody that's looking at the full workflow process of a minerals company. Everybody's looking to solve engineering, geosciences, land, accounting you know, all these different pieces, but nobody's saying, here's the workflow process. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we get all these tools? There's a lot of cool tools out there. And a lot of guys really smart people solve them for these one-off situations, but nobody's like putting all these pieces together. Like tracks is a great tool, but it's not, it doesn't do me any good not on all the minerals management as far as getting the checks read. And yeah. every, every big weight. company
0: has tons of data silos that yeah. you're trying to break down group the data together so you can get the full picture end-to-end. It's just, it's, uh, I think it's challenging. Yeah, we it rec- is challenging.
5: We recognized it in, I guess I was 17 or 18, and we started building out our own you know, stack that that does, at this point, it does 80-plus percent of everything. You know, there was a time where we subscribed to one of the um, you know, accounting softwares and you know, all this. You know, we had iLandman and all these. and Now that's all wiped out. We've got... Our deal, we've got our engineering stuff, you know, through like Aries and Combo Curve. Uh, Our ArcGIS is still outside and Trax is outside. But we've, we've built everything else inside. Um, now, we've spent a lot of money doing that. You know, spent a lot of time doing that. But we were able to yeah. know, do like what you're talking about. Whenever, whenever, whenever a division order comes in and all you have to do is type in that well name and then the system mm-hmm. tells you, Here's what, you, here's what you own in that well from these various owners, and here's your decimal. And those numbers should match up. And yeah. 90% of the time they do. You know, there's always, that's why we have our jobs. We have to defend our title. Um, and then we go and figure it out and make adjustments, whoever needed, whether it's on the operator side, because they don't know what's going on, or it's an error on our side because we didn't have it in tracks. Um, yeah, we get it corrected, and it moves through the system and goes into the revenue management side. Uh, but the, the communication between the pieces was horrible. You know, whenever we had the chunks, we, we had to get away from it. And at the time you're right. And I feel like there's somebody that's working towards it. Um, but no one's there yet. So it's a matter of still either build it yourself or try to figure out how to make it all communicate.
4: Right. Yeah. And I think the other thing too, like Apache versus the mineral guys, right? Like I came from the operator side as well. I spent most of my career in the EMP side and then switched over to minerals. I was like, oh, this would be a piece of cake, right? Like, Whoa. Yeah. No, this is not a piece. Minerals is a very different world, even though it's all, I mean, it's all tied, but it's a, just the thought process. There's a lot of carryover, but there's still a completely different way you have to think through that thought process. Yes. So the tool that works for a minerals company is not the same tool that works for an operator. And so for the last several years... We as the mineral guys have been making the tools that have been developed for the operators work for minerals. And so mm-hmm. that's been a challenge to
0: overcome, too. What's yeah. funny is, as an operator, we are a big mineral owner. We've acquired some things throughout the right. years, and we're still trying to get our hands around. We've made big strides in the past couple of years, but that has definitely been a – we had to have a focused effort to kind of clean all that up and get our hands around. It. What do we own and how to manage that like.
2: Yeah, I think the mineral side when it comes to land is much more technologically advanced than the operator side because competition breeds efficiency. And, you know, the mineral side has gotten so competitive and it's also brought in folks outside the industry that came in with a different perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Like some guys from Wall Street, you know, or wherever, you know, else they were investing using different technologies and kind of implemented new things that, I think, you know, kind of caught on and, and, you know, we started thinking about things differently, you know, after having conversations with people and kind of opening up like, okay, well, this doesn't exist, but we could create it. You know, we don't have to live within the box of those few land platforms out there. We can actually, you know, build what, you know, we can dream of.
1: I love it. So we have to wrap up this podcast because we got a, uh, we got a party to get to t- tonight, which you're but all I, invited to. I have one, uh, <laughs> one departing question. This is rapid fire. Um, something that, you know, I have a bunch of land and title people in the room. I got to ask Does land man stand for man as in male or is it land manager? I need to, I need to get to the Oh, words. interesting. It stands for land manager. I've, I've heard it called land sense.
4: manager, but I also know it was years ago. The APL went around and asked all the ladies too. And yeah. they did this thing and everybody agreed. That's the title. It's just land man. Right. Yeah, it's
2: land yeah, land manager yeah. to me, I think coming from, you know, the operator side is totally different than a landman. A land yeah, manager yeah. is a person in at mineral company that really is a manager over the land department. Yeah. You know, in some But capacity, where the term land derived, manager. I'm not sure. I never saw it. There's multiple types of landman. There's title landman, mm-hmm. there's operational landman, right? Whether out the operators or surface landman. So there's all yeah. sorts of different tiers of what a landman means. Yeah. create
3: conflict. Well, land yeah. man is gender neutral as far as I've seen. It. I don't know to, to ask it the absolutely. Absolutely. Well, So, the problem
1: is if you make it a gender thing, land woman just doesn't roll off the tongue. Like, land man, I does don't like that. Like, why do has-
2: you have to separate me from the boys? <laughs> I just want to be <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm, yeah, I, I agree. So,
1: yeah, I you know, we'll, we'll leave that one, we'll chalk it up to undecided, yeah, as yeah. always, but. Everyone, I appreciate y'all coming on the show. This was fun. We got to do uh, got to do more of these rounds. Make it a Nape and, tradition. Yeah. We'll okay. do that, Mark, too. So, uh, everyone, hope you have a successful week for Nape. Um, you're energized now. You may not be energized by the end of the week. You know, he busted into the whiskey, uh, got got the week started. So, if you're listening, you enjoy this show, uh, share it with your friends. If you're like Chuck Yates and you want to become a lease buster in your uh, – in your spare time he's gonna be taking notes uh listening to britain talk earlier he's like oh yeah this is we got floating we got floating variable Dangerous. we call, them <laughs> we call them triggers
4: yeah. i'll keep an eye out for you.
1: so make sure you give the podcast five-star review if you listen on spotify or apple share with a friend and we'll see you next episode thank you colin thank you thank, thank you. you thank you